I'm Bianca Westwood and welcome to the Integral Chat. This podcast will bring you interviews with a number of athletes, managers and all the big names from the world of sport. We talk about the lives and careers of our guests and the issues that matter to Integral Sports Management, an agency founded by Ray Winston and Gary Pettit to nurture our sporting talent and safeguard the future for our clients as we strive to promote our core values of integrity, trust, honesty and respect. We're asking the right questions to help bring about positive change and give you some answers. On this week's Integral Chat, Chris Powell. Well, Chris Powell, welcome to the Integral Chat. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I've known you for a few years and you've had a rich and varied career. So it's really difficult to know where to start, to be honest. But um, I think I'll start with Charlton because it's a club that's really close to your heart. Um, There's been a lot of changes there, a lot of upheaval. But it seems to me now with Johnny Jackson and Jason Ewell there, they're doing a terrific job, aren't they? What What are your thoughts on, on how they've, they've coped so far? I'm beating in five or six, I think. So doing pretty yeah, well. I'm beating in, in six. I've, I've been following them and sending texts to them both. Uh, not all the time because they've got to find their own way and, and, you know, get through what it is to be a, a young manager for the first time. Um, so... I'm really pleased because there's been too much upheaval from way back. You know, I'm not going to hark on about what happened to me with the takeover way back in, what, 2014. But um, they've needed, I feel, just in the short term initially, to have someone that the fans can trust and hang their hat on. Mm. And, um, you know, you've definitely got that in Johnny. It's one of the best decisions I've ever made in uh, the time I've been a manager in making him captain of the of the club. And, you know, I think he's he's seen it all. They can trust him. They can trust Jason. Um, you know, John has learned from a lot of different managers where Jason has gone down the coaching route mm. um, and he's with England under-20s. So he's got someone, uh, John, who, you know, and Jason, who can organise and coach the team. But so can John, I know he can. Um, and I think it's a, a real lift for everyone connected with, with Charlton and, you know, sort of the power of the, the crowd and the support uh, when they played Plymouth the other week, uh, over 20,000. You know, it's a, it's a club that minimum should be in the championship. Um, and, you know, it'd be great if they could get back to those Premier League days. But, you know, little by little, small steps and uh, hopefully they can get back to, you know, where I feel they belong. Yeah, one step at a time. But um, Lee Bowyer managed to do that for, for one season, brought them back to the Championship. And he brought back a bit of heart, I think, a bit of the yeah. soul back to the club. Um, and that, I think that's why it would be important for Johnny Jackson to take over, because he's also someone deeply connected with the club. And that's important, isn't it? Are you surprised that he hasn't been given the job yet? Or do you understand why Thomas Sandegard hasn't put, you know, made the move yet? Yeah, I think maybe they felt it was too early for him. Um Every time it's sort of come up, uh, I think it was Carl Robinson and obviously Nigel and, you know, in between that was Bo. I think they felt, you know, maybe it was too early for, for John. Um, but the time's right now. You know, I think they've, they've tried the experience route and I think maybe they've, 
just needed to connect again. And I think you're right, Bianca. I think uh, when you look at the history of Charlton, you know, Curbs was successful, played for the club. You know, I was successful, played for the club. So did Bo. And now hopefully Johnny and, and, and Jason. So maybe it's meant to be like that for Charlton. I know it doesn't work for everyone. We've seen it with Manchester United recently with Oli, mm. you know, a favourite son. Um, and it doesn't always work. But uh, maybe Charlton just need that with their history and all what's gone on. Um, I think in the short term they need that. And hopefully Johnny can continue and have sort of medium and long term plans. It's just I need to make him manager. They haven't done it yet. Who cares? Bizarre. <laughs> you know, he's won four and drawn two of his games and he won the only game last year. You know, he's, he's never lost a game as a manager so far. So um, hopefully when it happens, he doesn't lose the game after uh, after his name. But uh, no, I'm sure he'll do really, really well. Yeah, he certainly won't be complacent, that's for sure. And with Jason beside him, <clears throat> you said he went down the coaching route and he he uh, went through the elite coaching placement programme, didn't he? Yeah. Um, he was a beneficiary of that. You went through the same process as well, didn't you, Chris? Yeah. It, it's really interesting because it shows how important that, program is and has been because yeah. yourself um, what you've gone on to do since then and and Jason as well can you just tell us a little bit about what the program is and, and why you feel it's important yeah I think the FA um, were in talks with uh, the PFA for um, a number of years to be honest um, I know uh, Paul Elliott and Brendan Batts and Garth Crooks were in talks with Dan Ashworth uh, before he moved on as technical director to go to Brighton and it carried on with Les Reed and they, they just felt that it would be a, a, a real lift for uh, coaches of colour to, to encourage them if they saw um, a black coach with every England team mm. and they felt that would sort of help the disparity and, and sort of the lack of coaches not for anyone's fault, it's just trying to inspire and show people that actually it can happen. Um, so we all had to interview um, and go through the process. And um, I was I was told that I was given the senior role, which was which was brilliant. Uh, Jason uh, is now with the under twenties. Uh, I think he was with the eighteens or nineteens previous to that. Um, and I think it's just showing people. Visibility, I think that helps, but also an opportunity for whoever gets a role, myself or, um, you know, Ashley Coles now with the 21s and Jolene Lescott uh, with the 21s, uh, Omar Rizza, you know, Marcus Bignett. And I think it's important that only not only do the, the, the public and ex-pros and pros see us there, but also the players, mm. the young players. There's a little bit of relatability. Yeah. They can confide, they can understand. Maybe I might understand more than someone else, certain situations. And I think it just helps everyone. I think it makes us all come together. And no more was that as strong as the Euros with sort of the taking of the knee and myself, Raheem, Harry Kane, Jordan Henderson, obviously led by Gareth, uh, Marcus Rashford, Tyrone Mings. We had a real frank and open discussion about what we should do. You know, if you think, Bianca, back to 
the start of the tournament, we were booed. In the end, we were being clapped. And I think that showed the power of sort of maybe my presence, but also the other guys and how open they are and how open Gareth lets them be. And, you know, that's one example of being on this scheme. But it's a scheme, but we don't see it as that. Bianca, no. I think we all, all the players feel part of the teams and we have to show we're worthy of being there. And obviously I'm, I'm seeing how Gareth and Steve Holland work and uh, Martin Margretson and now Paul Nevin, uh, you know, on the football front, it's been a great learning curve for me. It's great for me to be involved with the calibre of player. And, you know, you, you, you feel you deserve to be there, you know, so... It's been like, like you said at the start, it's been a long and varied road for me. But, you know, this summer and hopefully next winter will be the pinnacles where, you know, standing there singing the national anthem alongside the other staff in the Euros and, and now in the World Cup in Qatar will be uh, something really special. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, there are things that you've been through in your life. Um that only you could understand if it's happening to a player. Yeah. Um, for example, you know, after the missed penalties, we all kind of knew what was yeah. going to happen. Yeah. Um, but for someone who has probably been down that road, it's a lot easier for you to relate to the players and, and, and probably to reach them as well than it would any other coach. So that, and that's another reason why it's so important for you to be there. Well, I'll tell you a story, Bianca. We obviously played in Hungary this year, and I'm sure you remember we won 4-0. Um, but there was a lot of racist abuse uh, aimed at the players on the field. And then at the end, I got it coming off the field. And there was a member of staff, you know, who was really shocked by it. And I just said to him, this is it. You know, this is in certain places, uh, especially abroad we can still have it that small mindedness of, of people because they you know they may not have worked or lived or gone to school with someone different to them um, but what really hit home was the next day uh, I made sure I just spoke to uh, all the black players and just said if you're okay uh, if you need to talk about anything and one player I won't say who it is and you might be able to work it out I said to him, how are you? You know, I did. And he was really good. He said, you know, I, I'm not bothered by it. You know, I'm shocked, but, you know, I've just got to carry on. Uh, it's ignorance. And, you know, he was quite mature. He's a young player. But then he said to me, have you ever experienced it? I thought it was really interesting because maybe in his head he thought, oh, it's only happened to him and the guys now. And because he's so young, he wasn't around in... <laughs> you know, the 80s and, wow, yeah. was and even earlier than that. And I thought that was great, you know, and I said to him, yeah, absolutely I have. You know, and I said the difference, sadly for me, was we had nowhere to turn. We had to kind of suffer, suffer in silence sometimes. Um, I said to him, did have good people. I had a, a, a manager um, who, was, who was brilliant with me and the other black players and also some of my teammates. Uh, and I said, you know, it wasn't um, like how it is now, you know, it's, it's a crime now. Mm. Uh, where I said back then it was either had to fight fire with fire, if you know what I mean, Bianca. <laughs> I do. 
you just had to kind of just just leave the scene and get out of there. So I said it's a lot different, you know, nowadays, which is right. I said because you should be able to live your life freely. Um, but I said, unfortunately, it, it it still happens, and you know, sadly for us, it's more online now. It's more hidden, and you know, I, I'm still of of the uh, thinking that it, you know we should still do something about that. That that's still something that you know won't go away in a hurry. And you know, I really hope that the social media platforms will really clamp down. They haven't done enough in my eyes yet. I really have Anyway, let's let's talk about more positive things in terms of your time at England, because as we've said, you've done pretty much everything um, as a manager, as the number one, and now you're in the on the coaching staff with Gareth. How does this situation compare? Because you're at the very, very highest level, and you've been in you know, listening to the national anthem on the touchline there. We've all seen your celebrations as well. (laughs) You were living out our dreams quite frankly during the summer. It was just so brilliant to see. You look like you're really, really enjoying yourself. And I don't know, being a manager has its plus points and and its negatives. And being on the coaching staff, even though you're not sort of at the right at the top, making all of the decisions, what's What's it like for a man who's had the best of both worlds, if you like? Being on the coaching staff is a lot less pressure. Yeah. Um, you, you tend to enjoy yourself a bit more. I think it's more relief when you're a manager that you get a result. Um, and yeah, there are some elements of being a manager I do miss at this present time. Uh, who's to say I won't do it again? But uh, I felt the Euros, uh, particularly the way Gareth manages and leads everyone, uh, he allows everyone to sort of play their part, but enjoy themselves at the same time. And obviously you saw me running up and down um, against Germany, which because they're sort of the old enemy, I know Scotland are, but Germany, we always seem to get negative results against them in, you know, semi-finals and finals and all these sort of things. So um, I, I kind of let myself go, but I think we all did. You know, I think we all felt, that this was our moment to enjoy ourselves and show the nation, especially on the backdrop of the lockdown and COVID, Mm. that we just wanted to play our part in trying to help the nation. And that was one of our big drivers. Um, Our identity of who we are was another big driver for us. And I think, you know, when you're a coach, you can really immerse yourself in the players. As a manager, you do have a little bit of distance. You do enjoy yourself, but... You know, you tend to have the serious conversations when, you know, they're either playing or not playing, which is never great, but it's part of the role. Um, and I just, um, at this present time, you know, I'm working at Spurs um, in the academy. Uh, had a slight touch with uh, the the first team last year alongside yeah. my mate Nigel Gibbs. Uh, back with the academy now. Um, and got the England role. Uh, my contract's still the end of the World Cup, at least. So, you know, it's actually I can enjoy myself. You know, I'm I'm, I'm trying to. I, I love the game. I want to stay in the game. And you know, I've had periods out of the game, and it's no fun. You know, you you watch lots of games and you keep yourself busy, but there's nothing like coaching. Uh, there's nothing like integrating with good people. 
um, like-minded people where you still continue your learning. And that's me, you know, at England, still continue my learning. At Spurs, um, you know, I'm, I'm sort of the, the baby relatively uh, with re regards to sort of um, my knowledge of academy football. But I'm at the senior end, so actually it's twofold. You know, I'm learning off them, but they actually learn off me because I've obviously been uh, a manager at championship level, uh, league one level, and, you know, coaching and working with uh, the cream of English talent. So um, I've got the best of both worlds and, uh, you know, I'm really enjoying it. I'm making the most of it. I know it doesn't last forever. So, you know, why don't you enjoy it while you can? Yeah. Um, speaking of contracts, Gareth Southgate's just been given his new contract to the end of 2024, uh, which is well deserved. Why do you think he deserved that longevity? Well, I think they um, his contract actually, Bianca, was until the end of the World Cup mm -hmm. uh, 2022. But I think they feel he's made good progress, which he has. Uh, I think he, when you look at him and his profile and how he handles the role, no one's really handled it like that before. It's, it's quite unique what he's done when you look back on the five years. And there's been progress. You know, we're in the top three in the world. I believe we were sort of 10th or 11th when he took over. Um, he's shown a pathway for young players, which is important. People have always talked about it, but never really done it. But he has. Um, and at the right times, he's put in young players to just let them experience what it's like um, with the senior squad. I think as a spokesman and actually how he handles very difficult and tricky situations, uh, he does it with real, real flair. He's thoughtful. He has empathy with people. He wants to understand. He wants to know what, what people are feeling, how they're feeling. He's encouraged the players to be very open. I don't think we've seen that before. So I think he's deserved it in respect of, of that. There's been progress. Of course, we want to win every game and we want to win every tournament. And yeah, we've been very close and it's maybe, you know, let's see if we can get over the hurdle of, you know, in the next two tournaments. And I think the the powers that be have looked at it and felt that you know, he's, he's someone who embraced the job. He hasn't gone into it for no other reason other than he wants to make the nation proud and he wants to... Um, make himself and his players and staff and empower everyone to be better mm. um, because it's, you know, it's huge when you're wearing those, those three lines. It, it really is huge. I've seen the power of it when we go abroad, you know, everyone wants a piece of us. Um, we're we're a, a nation that people look out for um, and we travel in numbers as well. Now they're allowed to travel to fans. So it's, it's all encompassing. I think he's, He's someone who, you know, wants to continue doing well. And I think it's public knowledge that they've actually, in light of what's gone on uh, in the world, that, you know, it's performance linked. Mm. So it's, it's performance linked. I think that's right. You know, if he's successful, then he earns, earns his money. So um, I think that's a, a, a real clever move. Uh, I know he's very happy and proud, and 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 certainly Steve, they dovetail really well. Um, two different personalities, but actually, it works well with regards to uh, the role and the preparation and organisation of the team. So, yeah, I'm really, really pleased for him, really proud for him. 
Yeah, he's a great ambassador, isn't he, in that role for sure. In in terms of um, what he does as a as a football manager, results are always so important. Um, and probably even more so when you're an international manager, because it's not like when you're in the leagues, you know what it's like. If you make a mistake tactically, there's always Saturday or there's always Tuesday. The next game comes around really quickly. For Gareth, he doesn't have that luxury, does he? You've seen that side of it now. What What's that like when you've, I mean, we all took, I took about three or four days to, to get over the disappointment of losing that tournament. I felt it. I was absolutely devastated. So what's it like when you're on the inside and you know you're so close, but now it's all done and you can't come back on Saturday and, and win the next game? Well, I've got two examples. And one is Italy, uh, the final. Um, and the, that, that night and the next day, we were all so numb. Um, but we, we had breakfast and a, a sort of early lunch, a brunch, I should say, and then we dispersed at sort of midday. And I got home and I just thought, what's next? You know, and I, I never turned on the TV for four days. I didn't put Sky Sports News on, no chance, because I knew it would just be on a loop and I just didn't want to see it. I didn't leave the house apart from walking the dog uh, with my hood up. Uh, I didn't want anyone to see me. Um, but actually, when we got back together again uh, for the September camp, he set the scene really, really well. I thought it was really clever in how, you know, we had very important games to get on with. Um, it's early part of the season. And not everyone's 100% yet. They're still finding their form and finding their feet and getting over uh, what happened in the summer. Uh, and there was a real focus. And I thought that was that was really good how we sort of handled it. Uh, you know, we, we meet a day early, the staff, uh, so we have time together. And I thought that was important that we just, you know, spoke openly about how and where we were. And we got on with it. Once the players came in, we just focused on the up-and-coming games. And then we had it again when we drew with Hungary uh, in October. And we needed four points out of the Albania San Marino games. You know, it was a lot of negative press, and we we know that comes with the territory. We didn't play well against Hungary, but more most importantly, we didn't lose. We had another point, and I think that's how far we've come. You know, and, and Gareth straight away after the game just said, you know, it it hasn't happened for us. We'll learn from it, and when we're together the next two games, we'll be prepared and we'll we'll move forward with what we need to move forward. And, well, the results were telling, you know, beat Albania 5-0 and San Marino 10-0. And, you know, there was a real focus and the players and the staff just came together brilliantly. And we didn't lose a game in that qualifying, you know. We won eight and drew, drew two and we did exactly what was needed to be done. Um, and I think sometimes people don't realise, Bianca, we, we had a whole European Championship campaign played every game and we had a whole World Cup qualifying campaign in one year, in one calendar year. It's never happened before. Mm. So a lot of football for these guys on top of their Premier League duties. So um, a lot of football, a lot of time away um, and, you know, we handled it pretty well. Yeah. My fear was that we got that close, we got to the final. I was thinking, this is our chance now. This is our chance to win something. 
but obviously there is going to be another chance um, next winter. Uh, do you think we've got a chance of taking the World Cup? I mean, that's the that's the big, that's the big daddy, isn't it? <laughs> I mean... You've always got a chance once you qualify. You know, and we've we've got over that hurdle, and I think that was major. And now it's about the preparation, and actually, it's going to be quite unique, obviously, because it's in the winter months. Yeah. Um, and one good thing, which I think this is my personal view so far, is. You know, people always say, oh, the World Cup or Euros at the end of a real hectic, hard season. Well, this time, the, the lads will have only have played, what, 13, 14 games. They'll be in a good place. You know, they'll be flying, to be honest. Um, so um, it will be different. Obviously, it's in Qatar and I believe in just one city, in Doha, uh, with eight or nine stadiums. I might be wrong. Uh, so all we've got is the March friendlies, uh, Nations League, I believe, in, in May, June, and then uh, some friendlies September. But then that's it. There's no warm-up games um, because the I'm sure you know, or you may not, the Premier League stops on the Sunday and yeah. then the following Sunday is the first game. That's madness, so isn't it? Yeah. So we're going to have to travel and I would think we would have to play some sort of game whether it's an internal game between ourselves or against the locals. I, I don't know how it's going to work, but we're going to need some game time. Maybe you'll, you'll, have, sure. to get, you'll have to get the, the boots on again. <laughs> oh, no, no, no chance. No, no, no. You've got to be crazy. <laughs> Those days are well and truly done. So uh, I, I, I don't know what we're going to do. Uh, I, maybe once the dates of the games come out, if we're actually quite late in the tournament, there might be a gap where we can actually play a sort of friendly or, you know, three 30-minute periods because we've got to get used to the surroundings and the conditions. So that's going to be a very, very important part of it. Okay, just moving on to a bit about yourself. Um, we haven't got time to go into your career because it's been so long <laughs> and eventful. <laughs> we've spoken about some really high moments. You had some brilliant times at Charlton, you know, with the promotions. Um, obviously with England now, some unbelievable experiences you've had. When you look at the other side of the coin, you always come across as a really upbeat, positive guy, but you must have had some dark moments in football management because you can have some really lonely moments as well. When yeah. you look back, what were your the, the times where, you know, they were, they were really tough for you and how did you cope with them? Well, I think every time you lose your, your job, um, there's always a period, you know, everyone says uh, it, it's good because you can have time to reflect. But let me tell you, you can reflect within a couple of weeks, you know. So when you're out of work for, you know, nine, ten months, a year, it's a long time. Um, but what it does do, it does build resilience. I think you have to go through the experience. You know, people always say you're not a real manager until you've been sacked. Um, it's not a nice feeling, of course not. But um, I always look at it and say, well, maybe it just wasn't right for that club and that, that group of players at that particular time. You know, I, I, I had a group of players at, at Charlton where, you know, we built a, a, a brilliant team camaraderie, everything was just heading in the right direction and we got success. Sometimes you're just swimming against the tide and it just 
doesn't work no matter what hole you're trying to plug. And maybe it just needs someone else, someone who's got a different skill set to you or might just get a different sort of tune out of those players. So, like you said, I always try to be positive um, in respect of, okay, fine, let's move on. You know, this game has always uh, employed people and always sacked people. And I think I'm, I'm of the ilk that, you know, you learn from it, you meet some good people there. Um, I don't think you should ever be negative about the club. You just move on. It was your time and it's going to be someone else's turn. And I think that builds resilience in you that when it happens again, um, you, you know, the, you never feel it's right. But actually, you just say, OK, I'll take the good out of it. And what I did wrong, you know, can I be better next time? I think that's what you've got to be in life, to be honest. And any role you're in, but it's never nice. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, it's great. Um, but you, you've got to believe in yourself that you can come back again. Yeah, I think um, with you saying that sometimes it's just not the right fit or not the right time could be said about Nuno at, at Spurs. And now Antonio Conte's come in and you saw kind of the passion after the, the win against Leeds at the weekend. I mean, wow, he he really, really was happy about that victory, wasn't he? He went for it. He was yeah. so fired up. I mean, it was great for Tottenham fans to see. I think that's kind of what they've been waiting for. But how do you think he's going to um, take this Tottenham team and where, what do you think they're capable of under him? Well, I was at the game and, uh, yeah, it was chalk and cheese um, and how he was during the second half and at the end of the game, um, you know, really resonated with me and definitely with all the fans. But we've got a, a manager of, of proven quality. You know, I mean, he his, his record, his track record speaks for itself. and. You know, for him to, to to come to Tottenham Hotspur and come back to the Premier League shows the power of the league and, and also what he feels he could possibly do. Uh, January will be interesting. Um, I'm sure you know, he will look to shape and mould the squad into uh, his image and how he sees the game. You know, he's changed the way played and trained already. It's well documented about the food and nutrition. He's trying to... Where do, you, where do you stand on the old ketchup dilemma? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It, it, it's it, it, If you're a player, it doesn't affect me now, so it's fine. I can have <laughs> as much ketchup and mayo as I want. But I think he's trying to say elite players, you know, you have to have things in moderation. I think people are saying it's completely banned. I don't think it's completely banned, but I think it's more moderation. If you don't have it, it's better for you. But if you have it, you know, don't, don't go oh, over man. the top. Um, and I think he's just trying to shape the club in how he sees it and how, if it's worked elsewhere, then obviously he feels it'll work uh, at his present employers. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. And obviously when we play Chelsea, I wonder how that's going to play out, you know, turn out when we go to Stamford Bridge. We've already played them at, at the stadium, at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. So, uh, it, it's, it's great that he's there. I think it's reinvigorated, uh, you know, the supporters. And uh, we've got someone who's been successful at club and uh, international level as well. Yeah, because I think the, the the Tottenham players, they they didn't look themselves. They have looked a bit out of sorts, but he's definitely the type of character who will get the best out of them, isn't he? 
Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean they've they've uh, training schedules has changed from what I've seen, um, and uh, they've they've trained long, and obviously he's getting his his ideas across and implementing his own style, um, and that's what every manager does. But I think he, um, because of success he's had, if that's the way he's worked before and he's had results and it's got wins and it's got championships. Then I see no reason why he would change with with us, and um, you know I hope that the boys um, you know, really perform and you know play the way they did against Leeds, especially in the second half, which was absolutely outstanding. And just finally, Chris, um, we touched on it briefly before about maybe you going back into management. I never understand why anyone would want to be a manager sometimes <laughs> when I'm in the gantry I'm looking down you know in the technical area and whoever it is is getting beat and I just think oh why do you put yourself through this yeah. you're all gluttons for punishment but it's addictive isn't it and you always have that kind of thing in the back of your mind you know when you when you'll go back are you do you think about it often not often, but I do. <laughs> I do. I think everyone who's managed would, would think that way. Um, but at this present time, I'm in a in a role I really enjoy, um, nurturing sort of young players uh, to become good professionals and have a career in the game. I think my experience is is worthy of doing something like that and putting something back in the game. You know, I've always uh, given young players an opportunity when I've managed. So now um, I sort of say to them what's expected. You know, a lot of them want to go out online. I'll say what's expected of them. Um, and, you know, we've got good coaching staff and I, I enjoy the role, you know, and, and doubled with the England role. I'm in a really good place with not loads of pressure. Yeah. But maybe, maybe... I think, is there one more opportunity? Sometimes I think that. And you never know. You never know how this game is. Sometimes things just happen uh, for a reason and you meet someone or you come across someone or an opportunity arises that is right for you. You never know. But um, we'll have to wait and see on that front. But I'm certainly enjoying what I'm doing now. And, um, you know, we'll see. we'll see what happens in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you've got the perfect job with England, but there could be one more roll of the dice. We'll have to wait. <laughs> Thank you so much, Chris, for joining us on the Integral Chat. It's been brilliant to talk to you. Thank you so much. No problem. Cheers. Thank you.